This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Welcome to our Ballsy Podcast today. Several changes we will talk about, uh, but first, we want to welcome in the voice of the Cowboys, Brad Sham. Brad, thank you so much for agreeing to come on this podcast. And and first, I would like to say you did have some conditions before coming on today. You've been a guest on this show before. Would you publicly state your conditions for coming on today? I, I said I would do it if you were there alone. <laughs> <laughs> I think clearly you've intimidated all the other boys, and I do enjoy visiting with them, but uh, now the grown-ups can go. (laughs) Exactly. I think all of our listeners would agree with you on that. So uh, all 14 of them, is that what we had last at last count, Brian? Is it 14? So, uh, and we're all going to lunch, by the way. As soon as we're done. Yes, exactly. It's on Sherrington. (laughs) That'll be about the only thing he's picked up in a while on his own. I know. Uh, but but first, let, we, we I would be remiss if we did not start this show by uh, congratulating a man who broadcast from a room named after him. Oh gosh, uh, well you wouldn't be you wouldn't be remiss. But thank you. Uh, I still really haven't quite absorbed uh, all that yet. It's um, it's pretty it's pretty unusual in my business, and and it's truly it has not yet sunk in. Yeah, that's usually a posthumous honor, honor so it's yes. uh, certainly you're not in that position, so that is a good thing. Not, not as of now. <laughs> well, Days young. Well, my question is, though, does, it, does that give you, like, when you two next swings through here or the next tractor pull or the next rodeo, do you get there? Is that your own little suite that you can no, just go you, to any time? You remember uh, uh, Tom Turbeville from being the uh, sports information director at Texas A&M for many years. And uh, Tom is retired now, but he sent me a note, saw it online, and he sent me a note. He said, congratulations, but just remember, just because the room's got your name on it, you still have to have a credential to get in. <laughs> and it's so true. And you do not grant yourself the credential. I should <laughs> it's not up to me. <laughs> not up to me. I want to thank you, too. I know a lot of people don't know behind the scenes that Brad is now lobbying the Jones family to name the print press box after me. So it, uh, it, 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 we have a. I don't, I'm not going to lie. It's a long uphill slog, <laughs> but no, no worthwhile fight uh, ever was won easily. Well, that's actually a good segue talking about slogs into yes. the state of the Cowboys' yes. offense at how, the moment. How accurately unkind of you! Yes. Let's uh, let's try to tackle this offensive malaise that the uh, Cowboys find themselves in at the moment. Um, you know, I, I'm not quite sure where to start, which I think is probably part of the uh, issue that the coaches are wrestling with 
before they get back on the practice field on Wednesday because it really is everyone owns this uh, across the board offensively. I, I think it's clear everyone owns this. And just in general, do you think when you have so many issues to address, the best way to go about it is that, look, let's just try to stitch a couple of threads back together, get that working, and then go from there. And if you agree with that premise, where does this offense need to start to get its offensive equilibrium back? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any other premise that makes any sense. And the problem is there are so few opportunities in a pro football season that when you have a couple of hiccups like that uh, so blatant early that the tendency is that everyone wants to try to hit a six-run homer, if you'll pardon the mixed metaphor, and that definitely won't work. So everybody has to concentrate on his own job, and it's ultimately on the coaching staff to put everybody in the best positions to do that. I think the thing that uh, is so head-scratching is, and, and I'm going to, you know, the, the Giants game was fine. They've got some good players, and, and um, you know, the Cowboys won the game. They did enough to win the game, so I'm not even going to include that. The other two are so different from each other. I really do think that the problem in Charlotte was down in distance so early. You just cannot play, especially on the road, uh, from 2nd and 15 and 3rd and 12 all day and hope to succeed. Most teams can't. The thing that was different about uh, Seattle was that's not that wasn't the problem. And um, I haven't watched every minute of the offensive tape, but I've watched a good bit of it. And uh, they missed a third and one because uh, Lyle Collins failed to pick up a switch uh, and and made a, an assignment error, and it left the middle linebacker free to run through and make the tackle. And they the the mistakes that they made that were uncharacteristic to me um, contributed to uh, the whole getting dug deeper. If Ezekiel Elliott just knows where the sideline is, the game is tied. And and I really feel and felt Sunday like an idiot criticizing or sounding critical of him because he had a really good day running the ball. He did a lot of good things. But he took a touchdown away from them when, and he didn't do it on purpose now, but I mean, when he stepped out of bounds, that's going to tie the game. That's a big momentum switch. You can't do anything about the momentum switch of Tyrone Crawford being called for roughing the passer, which is a separate thing. But we're talking about the offense. Gallup's drop, huge. Mm -hmm. Jarwin, I know it's traffic. I need you to catch the ball. Uh, Elliott's fumble, uh, really big. Zeke, for some reason, uh, a lot in these three games has been trying to cut blitzers instead of taking them on, which he's fully capable of doing. And Mm -hmm. one incompletion came when he tried to uh, cut Michael Kendricks, and Kendricks has jumped over him and put his hand in the quarterback's face. I think it's clear the quarterback has made some bad throws, and it appears, I'm no expert, but it appears that he feels even more duress than he's getting. Um, I, I think that there have been just enough Errors across the board. Sundays there were some mental ones as well as physical ones that really um, 
they can't afford. And what that does is put pressure on the defense because now they have to be perfect because there's no wiggle room. So how do you fix all that? I mean, A, if I knew, I'd be doing it. But B, my sense is that um, it's not anything fans want to hear. But what you do is you identify what you believe you can do well, and then you, and yes, there are some of those, and then you go back to work and you just practice and focus and work harder and come out and play one play at a time and try to beat the man in front of you and try to know what the people around you are doing and confidence goes away real fast in pro football and it comes back pretty quickly also so they just need to make a few plays yeah there's there's a lot to unpack there and we'll probably go through uh, position by position group offensively and, and kind of address each of them. Um, but I want to go back to one thing you start. You, you talked about, uh, you know, the, the difference in Carolina, it really was getting behind the chains is, as we heard everyone say that week, uh, ad nauseum after, and it is true. Yeah. And, and it, and it prevented them from getting to so much in their playbook. Right. Now what happened in the Seattle games, like you say, third and one Ezekiel Elliott, loses a yard because Collins because of a of a mistake in, in, in protection. Third and two, incomplete to Jeff Swain. This is not getting behind the chains. This right. is these are positions you want to be in on third and downs. These are positions that Dak Prescott said after the game have really been our bread and butter for the better part of the time I've been here. And then when you don't convert those early in the game on the road and then you don't hit your isolated opportunities where you have Ezekiel Elliott at that point can get a touchdown. It completely, yeah, it completely changes the complexion of the game. And I think there was a, I think that was a big part of what you saw Sunday. But now let's go through. Let, let's start. Um, let's start with the protection. Um, Zach Martin was saying after the game that you know we're we're doing good in the run game. But that's not how you judge an offensive line. You judge it on the protection it provides the quarterback. We're not giving number four enough time in the protection he needs. It starts with us. Uh, again, I think all, all the positions are taking all the responsibility on themselves. It's not publicly. all on any of them. Publicly, yes. But, but what do you see in the protection at this moment? Here's the truth. Two years ago... And when uh, the vaunted Tony Romo was playing, who people hated then, and now he's gone and they love him. He's wonderful now. Yeah. He's the greatest thing ever now. When he was playing, everybody wanted to run him out of town. Well, if only he had play. this, he would be making these plays, and they'll be yeah, fine. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's my problem with fans. But <laughs> Bradley. The truth is, when Tony was playing, and two years ago when Prescott had that remarkable run, Every pass block wasn't perfect. The offensive line was not uh, a Trumpian wall every single play. And so what happens is the quarterback has to be able to. Now, sometimes, you know, if a guy just flat gets beat or there's a mistake and he's unaccounted for, that play's not going to work. But there, there are little... Thing. So so let's start with that. The offensive line is not blocking like it used to. 
Okay, well, they haven't had a left guard as good as Ron Leary, Ron Leary. since he left, but they couldn't afford to pay him. But don't assume that that means Connor Williams is the problem, because I think he's not. As a matter of fact, as I watched the tape the other day, I thought that he really played well. There's going to be a time or two almost every week where he gets overpowered by sure. uh, some of the really good, big defensive tackles. But that's temporary, and I can, to my untrained eye, I can see improvement in him from week to week to week. His technique is really good. He picks up switches and games uh, better than you would expect a rookie to. So I, I'm just going to say again, Connor Williams is, to my mind, he's not the problem. Sure, and his technique and his leverage has to be good now because he is a little undersized, sure. which should serve him better as he adds that strength going forward. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, do they miss Travis Frederick? Of course they miss yes. Travis Frederick. He's arguably center. the best center in the league. When you watch the tape, Joe Looney's not the problem. The, the play that Wagner got through on that third and one, they had another one like it a little bit later, and Looney saw him coming and switched off his man and got just enough of Wagner to let the play run. And when he when, when his assignment is, when his initial assignment is to get to the second level, he's getting there fast. And, and Joe Looney's not the problem. But would they be even better if they had Travis Frederick? Of course, but they don't have him. But Joe Looney is not the problem. There are some plays where a guy will get a step on Tyron. Tyron that yeah. happened f- forever. That Tyron will tell you he wants to be perfect, and he and he never is because hardly anyone ever is. I, I really think that oh, now last year wasn't it last year that they scored twenty eight points in a game four weeks in a row. Well, yeah, wasn't they, that last year in the first half of the year? Well, yeah, and they had the back to back losses where they were thirty one and what thirty. Yeah. Five? So my my, my yeah. point is this is this is um the same coaching staff and the same um probably a better offensive line than they had last year and they were scoring a lot of points. So in terms of the protection uh yeah there are and I wouldn't expect Zach Martin or Travis or any of them to say anything different publicly. My estimation is is it perfect? No. Is it good enough most of the time? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And there are a lot of plays when there's plenty of protection and the ball is uh, is not getting completed. But th- there's something, well, I mean, everyone knows what. In the Atlanta game last year, the protection was the entire problem. And from that point, it looked to me like Dak felt rushed. Uh, and sometimes he we literally still see, and figuratively okay. was, yeah. and then he started to make some bad decisions. Now, I haven't seen him make bad decisions yet. I'm seeing some inaccuracy. I'm seeing some plays that are available that he is not seeing or getting to. Um, but But the protection, for my money, is most of the time good enough. Well, yeah, what, what I'm struck by here, too, is when I, I agree with all that, which I know warms the cockles of your heart, that, that yeah. someone like myself would agree with you. Uh, totally. But, um, you know, I guess my question would be, um, from a play-calling perspective, do you call the game differently when you have an effective offensive line versus a well, dominant let me, offensive let me, line? Let me, let me and have the Cowboys me. done that? play calling thing mm-hmm. is one of the great 
misnomers sure. uh, in, in this sport, because everyone listening, every morning news reader, everyone with access to the Internet knows in his and her heart that he's a better play caller than the idiots who are doing it here. Exactly. And How can that's we not, be? not just the last five or six years. That's been for the last 40 years that I'm aware of. So what people don't understand is that when you talk about play, every play is five plays. Yes. Every play has options to it that the quarterback has to execute. Some of people's favorite Tony Romo plays had nothing to do with what got sent in from the bench. And I would remind people that at this same point of his career that Prescott's at now, Romo wasn't on the field yet. So, and I understand we're in a different age. we got five rookie quarterbacks starting now. And experience does matter. But to say play calling, you know, I asked the question after the game in Carolina, the ball didn't go down the field. Everybody could see that, and that's probably a mistake. Okay, is that play calling or quarterback decision? The answer is yes. The answer is there were they had some plays in where one of the options was to take a shot. And the quarterback looked at it and said, that's not what I think is going to work here. So he did something else. Now, could they force the issue? Sure. Sure they could. And give him no option, yeah. Do you want to give him the latitude and time? I think forcing the issue and giving a quarterback no option is a pretty dangerous thing. Yes. I don't think it's a recipe for success, but they could certainly stress this week. uh, And, frankly, I think it would be a great idea. Let's look for the opportunities to stretch it out a little bit. They've got at least two guys who can do that, and Thompson and Austin, who can can, uh, move down the field. Well, in my yeah. mind, they're always going to be weighing that risk-reward ratio with Dak Prescott, who his DNA is. And look, I don't want to get – he can throw a deep ball. Does he throw it as well as others? No, but he can – he's shown he can complete the deep ball. He People can take those shots. throw a deep ball. Yeah, but, but, but the thing with him is what, is what is part of his quarterback DNA, and that is you don't turn the ball over. Right. When you're making split-second decisions – the chance to turn the ball over on a deep pass is greater than that intermediate pass or maybe the check down or the run. So you know what? If it's not there in that split second and your DNA is, I'm protecting the ball and that's my priority, you're not as inclined sometimes to make those throws. And I think that is something early in his career that Dak Prescott is working through. Yeah, I I do too. And, and, uh, you know, I thought when they came out of camp that between Elliott and Austin, I thought that that check down uh, was was going to be a big weapon, and I still do. And it depends on other parts of the route tree. They had the uh, Seahawks had one one significant play uh, where there was a check down to a back the other day, and uh, I think it was well, I think I know who the linebacker was who. Uh, Missed the assignment, but I'm not 100% sure, so there's no need to say his name. But there was a linebacker who missed an assignment in the check down, and then that turns into a big play. But a lot of times, if the route tree is successfully constructed and everybody's doing what they're supposed to do and he's looking somewhere else, then 
if I know it's not the same game as 20 years ago, but a lot of Aikman's passing yards came on checkdowns to Emmett Smith that went for 20 yards. And you've got a back, you got actually got two guys, including Tavon Austin, who can do that. And, uh, in fact, Rod Smith can do that. Sure. And so, uh, so I think that it depends on patience and focus and not trying to force the issue. And so that check down is not necessarily a bad thing. That can be a big play. But it depends on everybody else doing everything right. And then you do have to, of course, you have to extend the field a little bit. Yeah, and if the uh, check down. So I, I think, and, and see if you agree with me on this, I, I think part of their issue in the passing game now is that the check down has too quickly become the default mode and they're not hitting enough plays down the field for the check down to be effective. And, and yeah, do, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Uh, and, and then the question becomes, well, why, why are they not? Again, when I look at the tape, I'm not seeing a problem with receivers being completely not open. Swallowed up, yeah. I know some quarterbacks uh, disagree with the idea of a quarterback throwing a guy open. I've talked to a number of quarterbacks, and some of them believe you do that, and some of them believe you, you don't throw a guy open. You throw to the spot where it's supposed to be, and the guy's got to get there. And I'm not sure that philosophically that's where they all are but they have to they have to get to that place they're going to have to and they means the coaches and and the quarterback sure i think they're probably going to have to trust the receivers more the wide receivers more and those guys are going to have to work a little harder to make themselves available and make the quarterback uh, uh, aware of them and uh fail what is it what's the old saying uh about failure or insanity yeah, defeat, or defeat def- has uh, oh. a thousand uh, i mean uh, success has a thousand yes. fathers and failures and orphan yes yeah and, and so that's kind of where they are and and um yeah and i think to, it, it, it's broken mm-hmm. and it's fixable no and it has to get better and i believe it i believe it can and i believe it will here's some numbers just on the the passing game inefficiency or or maybe uh, the, the check down not being as efficient as it is and what you're looking for. In, in the Seattle game, they targeted Elliott and Tavon Austin a total of 11 times. Now, I think people will agree that's who you want to target. You want to get the ball in those guys' hands. Those are your primary offensive playmakers at the moment that can do something for you. So that concept makes sense. 11 targets for Elliott and Austin. That resulted in six receptions for a total of 13 yards. Yeah, well, that's not good. No, and, 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 and this goes back is, to the Giants game when Elliott had five receptions for nine yards. I yeah, think, but again, again, yeah. one of, one of our, uh, Austin's targets is a little inside shovel pass from the three-yard line that's a touchdown. Yes. So that can't go for more than three yards. Exactly. At one, a couple were thrown poorly. One Elliott flat dropped. So... All of that goes into those numbers. That's why the targeting number is is uh, cute and handy and, uh, to me, a little misleading from time to time. Well, other than it points to that's a big explanation for why this passing game is so inefficient at the moment. Yes. Yes. I, I, I agree with that. And but you have to determine if if the players aren't making enough plays 
for the amount of targets they get, do you redistribute that? Does this mean? Yeah. Well, I, does this I mean okay? Let's to, hit Helen Hearns on a slant. Yeah, I don't have to determine that, but there sure. are people making a lot more than me who <laughs> who do have to determine it. And they better do it pretty quick. So, uh, like I said, uh, this podcast, unlike the others, does not ramble on forever and ever. So. <laughs> Let's go ahead and draw this to a conclusion and maybe focus on one other element of the offense. Um, and and we've, we've talked around this, and, and, and you brought up the Atlanta game. Uh, let's end our discussion with the offense on this because you can draw a direct line to the decline in the passing game numbers to that Atlanta game. That really is the line in the sand when you yeah, come to I, look th- at David, this. I think that's an important distinction because I challenge people to go back and look at the Cowboys' offensive statistics. If everybody's in love with statistics as a way to measure football, look at the statistics last year before the Atlantic game. Yes, yes. Dramatically different. That really is. They were, they were very much in concert with 16 and perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And, and now... You really go from there, and we talked about this a little bit. Um, it's, do you still see signs of Dak Prescott, I, I think the way you put it, feeling duress when duress is not necessarily there at times? It, 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 I'm, I'm not completely comfortable um, answering it because I haven't played the position, but I think I see that. there. I see times when I look at the tape, and it looks like he's in a hurry, or it looks like he got off something too quickly. It looks, it looks like, and I have to take it then to somebody who, who has played, coached, or scouted, who knows what he's looking at, to say, what am I missing here? Tell me why that's there. Why is he not throwing that right now instead of this? And sometimes it's, sometimes it's when the guy feels duress. Um, you know, there was, the, there was an overthrow to... Uh, on a comeback to Gallup on the sideline yes, mm-hmm. last week. My, my memory is that for the most part, that protect, now again, rookie receiver, I think it's one of the hardest positions for a rookie to play in the NFL. Sure. My memory is the protection was good enough for a long time, and, and then as he delivered the ball, there was a hand in his chest. And it's easy for everyone else to say, I think what you want to see the guy just step into that, and and bring the ball down a little bit, and you got to catch. Uh, that's that's easy to say, and not easy to do. And I I if the answer from the people who coach it say, yeah, I see that. I see that he looks like he's feeling duress when there isn't as much as he feels. That would not surprise me. Well, Bradley, it doesn't surprise me that again you are so cogent. And entertaining, that that, putting that, all this that together. What that is that I'm saying the same things you agree with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I, I, I did lay out on the Trumpian wall, but I, I did yeah, pick, up on that, uh, pick up on that reference earlier okay. as he speaks to the U.N. today. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> well, Bradley, again, thanks so much. And, and while I can't put my finger on it, I, I hope this was a much more enjoyable, ballsy podcast experience for you than any of your previous appearances. I would say there was a degree of efficiency to it that was previously <laughs> lacking. Well, Brad. At least that's how it felt. <laughs> well, Brad, thanks so much, and we will uh, see you in the booth named in your honor at some point right. soon. You, you, hey, there's not a day ending in Y 
that anybody not doing a radio broadcast is coming up there. But that's why you're welcome anytime. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brad. We'll see you All soon. Right, David. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.